shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 18 of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. My name is Andrew. My name is Dan. And we are excited that you are joining us once again on this adventure. As always, if you like the content, please help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you get your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. Uh, lots of things going on. It's just that busy time of year, Dan. It's like meat and potatoes time, I always say. Meat and potatoes. Right. So <laughs> uh, I'm already off the rails. Corn, Corn beef, beef and cabbage. There we go. There you go. Sloppy Joe's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the... <laughs> Before we get to our classroom updates, Dan, remember I started our whole new thing, and I really have one for you this week, a Would You Rather. Okay. All right, are you ready for this? Just bring it. Okay. So, I got to get my notes. I lost it. All right. I think I know what you're going to say. Uh Uh-oh. So, would you rather be able to fly or be able to teleport? I think I know your answer. What do you think I'm going to say? I think being your background in history, you're going to teleport, man. You want to be at those events in history. No, maybe not. I, I, I mean, yeah. you fly when you run, so what, what's the point, right? I don't fly. I stumble. <laughs> well, I've witnessed that, too. <laughs> <I'll> be, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's interesting, because if you can... I mean, can you teleport, like, time travel teleport? Yeah, teleport, time travel. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Well, then, yeah, I would definitely like to, to teleport. Witness, right, witness Just events in witness history. Witness events in history. Declaration Just, of Independence. See, I was going there. Absolutely. See, I see. I, I think I think teleport would be really cool. Yeah, we, I mean, that, flying's it, cool too. But it, it was actually really funny. We were doing this over the weekend when I got to see my my niece and nephew, and my nephew. We kind of had a similar thing, and he said, oh, "Yeah, I'd like to go to the future." Like, oh yeah, where would you like to go? He's like twenty twenty five. Like, well, all right. okay, that that's Listen, a big jump. A lot of things can happen in three years. That's, that's it. right. Held held. Matthew? He's, he's in fourth grade. All right. Well, hey, middle school years. There That's you go. It. So um, not a whole lot going on in classrooms. We've been so busy with just a whole slew of projects just in general, uh, kind of uh, since our last episode. Uh, I know you have something big that I'm going to let you talk about in a minute, Dan. We did do, we're doing some word clouds with some second graders, uh, you know, so that's been fun. Uh, obviously, a lot of green screen projects uh, and a lot of video creation, podcasting, all of those things are are ongoing uh, in in our district, uh, but Dan, you have something exciting going on today. Yeah, today I'm just going over to um, one of the high schools. It's an animal science class, and you know, originally the teacher wanted to connect with um, some experts in the area and was looking around and finding all these options to connect with things like the Bronx Zoo and so forth. But of course, all these virtual field trips. Um, could tend to cost a lot of money. And then taking inspiration from our Ditch Summit and Mm -hmm. John Stamos, I said, hey, why don't we just reach out to to experts in the area and see if we can connect with them? And that's what we did. Um, There's a local zoo in the area. We just reached out to the director of the zoo, um, and he was more than excited. And then instead of just setting up a web conference, he's coming in and speaking with all the classes today. So I thought, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? That's it's kind of it. like all these things, like why do we have to wait for something to happen or look, let, let make, make your own things happen. Can't hurt to ask. Forge your own path. That's it. You know, and 
what's what's great with what you just said is so this is great that this individual is coming in and and we're able to have that happening again in classrooms but again even if this individual couldn't come in in person that virtual thing since that's something good that's come mm -hmm. out of you know the last two years pretty much where we now can have the accessibility right. to connect with all these experts from anywhere in the world so it's great so i mean you know just you know to our listeners out there reaching out to authors of books that you're reading yeah um, just reaching out to experts in the field utilizing social media um and putting things out there or or create it for your students to engage them like hey we want to reach out to an expert you compose the email you you reach out what, what would be the best avenue of doing it um, I think would would be really empowering, and you you know I'm sure like most people, most people really feel valued when they're asked to participate in something. So, um, reach out. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I did want to mention that I forgot that was coming up. Uh, so it's almost like the culminating project, Dan, and uh, I hope you're ready for Monday uh, because uh, mini golf. We had talked a lot about mini golf, but now the kids are actually playing mini golf without the robotics. We're going to a local mini golf course. The uh, The owner was was fa fabulous and said, yeah, come on by uh, and have these kids after they've created their own mini golf holes. Now let them play mini golf. So that's finally coming to fruition on Monday. So I'm oh, excited that's about exciting. that. So get, uh, get your putter ready, Dan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk weekly windup. Uh, Google. Google has uh, had a couple updates uh, and, you know, Dan and I were just messing with some stuff in Google and our, uh, we, we hit a frustration point, but we'll figure it out. We'll get through uh, that. But the email draft template in uh, Google Docs, you know, we always talk about having those templates. And so basically, uh, Google has announced it's going to be easy to collaborate on an email draft in Docs with the new email draft template. You mentioned people with those smart chips, right? Yep. Using that at menu, they're really uh, they're really you know boosting up those smart chips up in I, their games. I like I, them. I do too. I do like them. You know, and it always when you do tab and you get the person's name and you hit the at symbol, and then it automatically reminds you to make sure they have the correct sharing, sharing permissions. Yep. So, um, but it's great. You mentioned the people in there, um, and then you don't have to remember their email. You collaborate on the message body using comments and suggestions when ready to send. Click the button that's shown alongside an email draft. The Gmail window pops up. The email feeds automatically populate. It's like magic. It's great, too. Cupcakes and, and rainbows right there. And, you know, with teachers and with administrators, sometimes there's some really uh, complex emails that need to be sent out. So right. to be able to collaborate, write in docs in a template um, to compose the email and then to be able to send it straight away from there, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's important because you want to make sure sometimes it's always good to have 10 sets of eyes on things you're trying to say to articulate in in the correct fashion, right? Is that, that, is that the best way of putting I it? I think so. And just make sure a spell check works. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> rapid release domains, gradual rollout. It's up to 15 days for feature visibility, but it's already, uh, it was rolling out as of March 15th. So you should be seeing that. Extended will start on March 22nd. Could be longer. Again, um, it, it just takes time for it to roll out uh, to each email address throughout the entire Google Workspace domains. Uh, the other thing that Google released, <laughs> I just, I, I had to put this in there because it just blew my mind. I know some people are so into spreadsheets and sheets, but I can't fathom the numbers that that we're dealing with. Well, so Google just—you're definitely doing it. I'm going to make you create a spreadsheet this big. I don't know how. What am I going to put in it? The letter A. I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Google Sheets doubles its cell limit. 
So they've increased the cell limit in Google Sheets sheets from up to 5 million cells to up to 10 million cells. So this applies to new existing and imported files. Yeah. And That's, since what? Since 2019, they went from 2 million to 5 million. And now it's to 10 million. And it's really going to give Dan the ability to work with his data on a much greater scale. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to be collecting data like a fiend. <laughs> How do you fill in 10 million cells? How long would it take you to fill 10 million cells? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to envision this. Like, I, I get frustrated when I hit the taskbar over, and I'm on, like, triple Z. Now I don't even know what it's going to be at. I, I, I don't even know how you would. You better be really good at filtering and sorting and getting whatever you can out of that spreadsheet. That is, that is correct. That is for accurate. any of our listeners there who are super excited about 10 million cells, let us know what. Yeah, please the tweet at us. Let, let us, us know. know what you're doing. Yeah, we want. We definitely want to know. It's what a little mind blowing for me. Uh, it is. That is. But hey, you know what? Some people need it. So uh, Google always making sure they're uh, uh, helping well, everybody out. Now I think of all those uh, coding games we do in in uh, Sheets. So maybe it would come into play there. Uh, let's see how what Flippity does with 10 million cells now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. So uh, this was something cool, of course, from our good friend Matt Miller. Uh, customized email newsletters for every kid with Google Forms. So we talk about really, I don't want to say differentiation, but customizing. It could be, but customizing those newsletters to send home for each student. I mean, as a parent, I think that that would be so powerful. I'd be like, Mind blown, like, how'd you know they had to customize that directly for my student, for and my child? I think it all goes to the magic of Autocrat. Yeah. I love Autocrat. There's that, so much that we've improved workflow by able to um, use that feature. Right. And that's another whole episode. We could, I think that's, that's forms. Let's talk that, forms. We can talk forms. We'll put that on. Especially uh, Autocrat with forms, as, as Matt Miller introduces here. So by putting in information in a Google form, you can use Autocrat to put it into a, into any type of document. So if you have a template for um, a newsletter in a Google Doc, it will automatically insert the various information from the spreadsheet that you that um, from the form, so that's a great way of personalizing things. And that'll be all ten million cells, Dan. Ten million. So if you have to send out <laughs> ten million newsletters, that's crazy. You're covered. Yeah. So you know, so he goes through the steps with this, and you know, you pretty much design your newsletter as you always do with Google Docs, and it, he's very, uh, it's very laid out, very simple, uh, simplified for you uh, for the tags, and then you get to pretty much go. Uh, whether you use forms or sheets and so forth and go through. Um, there's a ton of information in here, um, but it is uh, something, and this is definitely an episode we can talk about, um, but this will be great to, so you don't have to backpack home those, you know, those newsletters because the copiers are always breaking, mm -hmm. let's be honest, you know? I mean, it's just they, they overheat. So uh, we'll basically, you know, this will be automatically shared to the parents. You're doing your part with the environment uh, with the families, and then they get this customized newsletter specific to them. It's great. I would definitely try it on a really simple level. You know, create a, a simple form, insert some information, and try the Autocrat add-on to, to put that information into a doc. You can also use, I mean, kind of going just a little bit off right here, but you can use Autocrat to take information and put it into a Google slide as well. So if you're doing award certificates um, for your students, yeah, um, you, you can create a template in Google slides and then collect all the information in a form for the student names and it will automatically populate their names into your template or whatever information you want to go through. So you don't have to go in and 
you know, create a 10 million long <laughs> slide deck of different names. So, yeah, Autocrat, definitely something you want to check out. We'll post the link for the uh, customized email newsletters uh, post from Matt Miller in the show notes. So uh, the next up thing we want to talk about is uh, from Casey Bell. Uh, Shake it up. That's it, Dan. Shake it up. Uh, and basically, she has a ton. She's got a post about free lesson plans and resources that many educators aren't using, but they should be. Um, and uh, a whole slew of options. And it's basically OER, so Open Educational uh, Resources. And there's a ton of them, ton of them. And, you know, Casey Bell does have her Shake Up Learning blog. So if you um, are not familiar with it, you should definitely check it out. She has a lot of great things for... Um, using Google and for all you spreadsheet users, she's like a spreadsheet guru and she writes her own scripts and does all these great things um, to really help empower students in the learning environment. So definitely, you know, follow Casey Bell on Twitter and check out her Shake Up Learning um, blog. But she def definitely does have some great um, resources of things that we should be using. Yeah, a few of those uh, websites that you said to find those resources uh, for your classroom OER Commons, uh, Open Sci-Ed, Fish Tank, Open Up, and GeoGebra, which is uh, all strict with uh, math. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only 1 million free activities, Dan, not 10. So don't get too okay. excited over there for GeoGebra. <laughs> but there's a bunch that's in there. She goes through each one. Oh, and I forgot. Um, uh, uh, I got to pronounce this. Hapara? Okay, I missed that one. It says, how can Hapara help? It's basically how oh, provides okay. educators with a digital backpack, integrates with Google Classroom for a more streamlined experience, which will then ensure that all resources are viewable on any device. So that's cool. Right. And so all these open ed are, are just, you know, free access to all these different instructional materials. So, you know, she definitely does highlight some things with science and math because I think that's with her in her wheelhouse. So but if you're looking for those activities that you can um, use digitally with your students, you know, be a great um, part to put into choice boards, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. Yep. But um, the more resources you have, I think the more you can um, design valuable learning for, uh, environments for your students. Yeah, and I was just clicking around in, like, the GeoGebra, uh, you know, it's like I'm looking at one introducing double number line diagrams. It gives you the standard. It gives you the lesson, the practice. Everything is right in there. And, again, they're free. It's got, um, like, even stuff to uh, accommodate others. It's got a Braille letter cube. Like, there's so much on here. And I, I don't want it to become overwhelming, but there's just a lot of resources out here that can kind of, uh, you know, give you some ideas. Uh, maybe you want to use them. Maybe you want to tweak them. And, again, most of them are all licensed under the Creative Commons uh, attribution license, so they are free to use uh, with no problem at all. And I'm, I was looking in a little more into the Open Syed, and they have different um, unit overviews with summaries and videos for students, videos for teachers, but they also include simulations too um, that students can manipulate. So great resources. Yeah, and, and I think th these resources are, I'd bookmark them and make this your go-to before certain other websites that charge you money to get stuff. Mm -hmm. So that would be, you know, my suggestion, uh, you know, as we move forward. So um, the next thing is we talk a lot about Adobe. Dan and I are big fans of, of Adobe, and this one's just fun. Uh, you know, you talk about gamifying uh, classrooms, uh, rewards, you know, this makes it pretty simple. Uh, Adobe has an express component in their Creative Cloud Express where you get to pretty much design a logo. 
Right. So they've kind of just built this out a little more. It was kind of always there in Adobe Spark, but it was a little bit, you know, different to get to. So I think as their new creative cloud um, express, as they're using that, um, they're really making some great features to it. So I love this idea of a logo maker. Um, it's a great thing. Um, for students as they're going through maybe a design thinking process and they're looking at branding uh, their their group or, or their project or whatever they're doing. I think there's a lot that goes into the idea of making a logo that's very valuable. Yeah, and pretty much as you go through it, I mean, I know it's in beta and everything, but you put your, your three components in, you decide a style, and then you get to choose a free icon uh, for it. And then, you know, it, you hit next, and then it automatically gives you, like, a whole slew of options uh, of logos that you can then do. So you can call it your classroom, you know, uh, maybe it's a specific unit, a specific mm -hmm. uh, topic, idea, SEL, whatever works. And then you have those logos, and as we mentioned before, you can then... Uh, share them out digitally and students can collect them or you can print them as well. Whatever works for you based on your learning environment. All right, let's bring Matt Miller back. I one know, more I was time. about to say, we're going back to Matt. We love Matt. We're, uh, we're, we're actually working, as we said, to get him on the podcast. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Yep, but we just have to find a, a good time that works He's a busy dude. He's a busy dude. No problem. No, no doubt about it. So 10 ways to improve students' long-term learning. He has a whole blog article about it, and it says, research has a lot to say about improving students' long-term memory. He's got 10 ideas you can use in class. The first one, Dan, is uh, retrieval. retrieval. All right, so when he looks at... Um, Retrieval, he says, when we think about learning, we typically, typically focus on getting information into students' heads. Um, the problem is that these methods only lead to short-term learning. And I think that's a lot of what we do. Like, kind of we fall into that trap uh, as teachers, especially as it's coming down to, like, crunch time for exams, state exams, assessments. That Like, well, if we, if we you know, tell it to the students, if we get it there, if we have them write it down and take notes, it's going to get into their heads. Um, but is that really allowing them the, the, to create the um, synapses and the connections to be able to retrieve it after, after that moment? Yeah, so he keeps going on and on. And again, this, this is, I think, going to be a good um, uh, chapter, so to speak, in his new book that we had previously mentioned, Efficient Teach, right? With Teach Better and Save Time for What Matters Most. So he has the 10 chart. He's got an infographic here uh, from Ditch That Textbook and his blog. Uh, and, in, you know, number one, brain dumps, free recall of learning. Number two, recall two things you learned today. Number three, retrieve taking instead of note taking. Number four, use student-produced quizzes. I think that's a great one. I love that. Uh, five, uh, lead students on guided conversation. Six, use the now-then-way-back protocol. Mm -hmm. So there's your, your teleport, Dan, right there. There we go. Whoop. <laughs> Number seven, encourage students to self-test. Eight, visual strategy like sketches or infographics, so bringing in that sketch-noting component. Nine is the retrieval mapping to show connections. And 10, end class with a whiteboard exit ticket. And he means whiteboard, like one of those whiteboards that right. you, uh, you know, assign to a classroom. So I, I think the whole idea about it is um, just doing some exercises. They're basically like brain exercises that you can incorporate um, with your students to, to really um, work on that long-term um, memory aspect for students. Yeah, and as we get, just went over those 10 ways... Matt goes in-depth with templates, mm -hmm. forms, slides, um, uh, PowerPoint if you're in the Microsoft world, uh, articles, all kind of downloads for the PDFs. Uh, he shows you how to show uh, to create these student-created uh, quizzes. 
um, the uh, God the everything's given to you. He is basically giving you a file cabinet of uh, files that you can use for these 10 ways. So it's great. I love it. Maybe we should uh, start our next episode with uh, a brain dump. My, um, I'm just going to stop talking before I finish that sentence. <clears throat> that could get bad. That could get ugly. I just, uh, there's my filter. Uh, all right. So, uh, I know we had talked about choice boards and we wanted to kind of wrap up the conversation on choice boards because we're big proponents of choice boards. And, uh, we had the opportunity to meet Jake Miller uh, a couple years ago at ISTE and Jake is, uh, he's a really nice guy as well. Um, he, he was hosting a podcast, very, uh, sad to hear, not sad, it'll be back, but he, with everything going on in, in life as a dad and, and we feel the same thing. It's a lot to put all of it together, bring it all together as well as doing normal jobs, dad jobs, everything else, running 55,000 miles, <laughs> filling in 10 million cells in a Google sheet. There's a lot going on and that's for everybody. I'm not, not complaining, but Dan and I love this opportunity to talk with everybody. And Jake, his last episode kind of spoke about all of the things that are going on and why his podcast had to go um, on uh, a hiatus. And it was the uh, educational duct tape, duck like D-U-C-T, not like quack, quack, K. That's his big slogan. But he has a whole presentation on choice boards. Um, and, I, you know, I really liked that, you know, he talked about uh, a bunch of different things. And I think we have to try to get um, – uh, Jake on the on the podcast great. if he has time. I mean, he's got he's also writing a book, so uh, there's a lot. But the way he started started some PD was uh, about reflecting on student choice activity, and he had articles and he had videos and you know as his PD, and then he had what kind of quiz would you like, Dan? Quizlet or, or quiz, quiz? Right. So uh, Flipgrid, you could summarize it there, or you could respond with a paragraph in a Google form. So a choice board. I don't I don't want to say that it it's always like the way it's he only had two choices mm-hmm. which which is I, fine. Yeah, I don't want people to become overwhelmed saying, "Oh my gosh, I need a a bingo card with 25 squares or even a tic-tac-toe that has nine. You could just have as simple as two two choices. And, you know, as you look at your choice board activities, he talks about, you know, Assessing your choice board. Does it demonstrate comprehension of autonomy? Does it demonstrate right. comprehension of mastery? Does it demonstrate the comprehension of purpose? And, you know, does it demonstrate comprehension of extrinsic mo- uh, motivation and intrinsic motivation? There's a lot in there. And the big thing is he talks about bringing it all together. How does it connect to the concepts to classroom for instructional practices? And I think, you know, leading into the assessing the choice board activity. So, you know, we talked... Um, on a previous episode about choice boards, we got a lot of feedback and, and questions about about choice boards and implementing them. And then there was also a lot of questions about, all right, how do I assess the student work in the choice board? So you really have to think about what is the purpose of choice that you're giving? So, you know, we always want to look at UDL, the Universal Design for Learning, and provide multiple opportunities for engagement and multiple opportunities to demonstrate understanding. Um, So is your choice board just built around multiple ways of accessing information? Are you providing different mediums for students to to learn? So is it like I can do um, simulations, I can read a text, I can watch a video. So are you providing those choices there for students to access information? And then also, um, are you providing choice on students demonstrating their understanding? So, you know, I love how Jake keeps it simple. I'm like, you can talk about it 
and or you can write about it. You know, very simple right there. But then again, it would and I, we've worked with a bunch of teachers who, who do integrate that on a regular basis. Yep. Um, not that, you know, that they're doing it for everything, but allowing students to do something that they're more comfortable with often will lead to a, a little bit better result for for teachers to 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 assess their understanding. So are they understanding all the objectives that you have laid out for them? Yeah, and, and everything he talks about with choice boards is research-backed. You know, he brought up the we – we've talked about John Hattie in the past. And, in uh, you know, John Hattie is the professor of education, director of the Melbourne Education uh, Research Institute at the University of Melbourne in Australia. And it provides students – providing students with multiple ways to access content improves learning. That's the research. It's showing that. Uh, providing students with multiple ways to demonstrate knowledge and skills increases engagement and learning and provides teachers – with a more accurate understanding of students' knowledge and skills. It shows what the students are able mm -hmm. to do so then you can tweak your instruction to reach more students, you know, purposefully. And and I love this quote. I'm sure many people have heard it before, but kind of goes right along with it. If you judge a fish by its ability <laughs> to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Yeah, that's a great quote. That's a great quote. So um, he does have a bunch of things. He's got the choice boards, choice menus, tic-tac-toe boards, uh, tink, think tac toe boards, and show what you know bingo. Um, and a lot of them uh, are very simple for, you know, book reports. He's got that one. He's got some uh, based on uh, the Hunger Games. He talks about uh, who we're going to talk about next, Catlin Tucker and vocabulary um, you know, and I know, like he even says, this could be a lot of work as, as yeah, you're presenting this. But once it's there, it's then there. it's just there. You know, like the show, which you know, bingo is great. And the middle square here is, uh, you know, turn in your creations. So your middle square is automatically done as long as you turn the work in. So, and, uh, and you did mention it is a lot of work and not going to sugarcoat it, not going to say it's easy. And it's, it's not like the prep and the amount of time to, to build a choice board, um, it is a bit daunting, but you know, once you have it set, you, you're, you, you're freed from orchestrating a lesson every day, yep. so, you know, and you're able to conference with learners about their progress. You're able to provide feedback on work in progress or conduct side-by-side -side assessment with students. I mean, that's all brought to light by our, another favorite of ours, Catlin Tucker. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, front-loading that work, it's hard. You know, so I would say don't try and take a whole unit and, and build, you know, your choice boards around a whole unit. Take a, take a specific lesson or lesson activity. Start putting the choice in and see how students can manage, self-manage um, in that environment and how you can then provide the um, interventions that you need to with individual or small groups of students while they're engaged in the learning. Yeah, and often, Dan, we, we get asked... Uh, where do I start? How big does it have to be? You know, I don't know what to do with creation wise. And, and Jake really addresses that, you know, it doesn't have to be a three by three grid. He's got something called the learning buffet where it goes appetizer, side, entree, dessert. And that pretty much takes a full hour, right? He gives mm -hmm. you 10 minutes for the appetizer, 10 minutes for the side, 30 minutes for your entree, and then 10 minutes for dessert. And that's, that's a longer period. He's got bingo. They've got, uh, digital cafes that, you know, Tommy Spall, who we've actually connected with years ago, uh, you know, where he had his whole Fortnite digital menu for student creation. Like there's, you know, there's a lot, and you can create it in anything, Google right. Docs, Slides, Wakelet, a website, Google Classroom, which, whichever 
tool that you want to present it in to your students, it's completely customizable. And it's it's great for every subject area. Um, so, you know, starting, and I was mentioned before, starting small, but really thinking about the purpose uh, of the choice that you're giving. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but Catlin Tucker references five types of choice boards you can think about when you're looking at creating. You can look at standards aligned boards, strategy specific boards, thematic boards, review and practice boards, or project or, per, or performance task boards. So those are some things you can think about as you're designing a, a choice board for your students. Yeah, and so Jake's got a ton of samples here. He's uh, obviously giving credit where credit's due for all of them. I, I don't know if you saw, Dan, in his presentation, uh, but I love the one um, where there's a teacher who's literally recording the choices in Flipgrid mm -hmm. and then holds the fingers up. So choice one, choice two, three, four, five, six, makes faces the whole way and then articulates them to uh, the students that way so they know what they're doing. So that's I thought that was a very uh, cool way of doing it as well. And I think... What, what you one of the powers that technology brings into this is students are going to have questions along the way. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the more you do it, the more you're going to recognize that those questions are quite similar. Um, it, and it's not necessarily questions about the content, but it's just how do I operate in this environment? What do I need to do? So I think, you know, your best friend there is to be able to uh, – you know, break, break that blockbuster model and go yep. Netflix and, and clone the, and clone that classroom that's in there. So utilizing Screencastify videos to demonstrate the processes for students or doing, you know, some some audio recordings to embed into your your choice board to, to provide those, you know, answers to, to questions for students so they don't have to, you know, oh, Mr. Nicola, Mr. Nicola, what do I do? What do I do, Mr. Nicola? Yeah. You know, they get used to having those um those resources there to help guide them along the way. And if we think about it, how long does it take once you build your choice board to go and do a screencastify recording on how to, what's expected from each, each box or right. each and level as, as more, <clears throat> excuse me, more districts, uh, overall, more students get those one-to-one -one devices. This is the realm you kind of want to start to push the pebble towards mm -hmm. just for that reason. So we will include, I mean, it's a ton of information, but you have all of the choices to choose from with Jake, right? Um, he's on the socials at Jake Miller Tech uh, on Twitter and everything. Very responsive uh, to, to anybody who reaches out. I know we've had many conversations with him uh, throughout the years. And uh, always, again, like Matt, same kind of thing. It must be the name, Miller, right? Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> sharing. Are you looking for like a name that. change? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So uh, I know we're going to be wrapping up. There's one thing that I know you uh, referenced, Catlin Tucker. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know we've talked a lot about choice boards. But let's – she has an article, and it's – it's great because we actually had this conversation recently with uh, someone at a secondary level uh, in the tech ed field, playlists. Playlists. And, and, you know, we talk about playlists and uh, it's, you know, the playlist or the individual rotation model is, is again, blended learning. It's going to give the students more control over the pace and path of their learning. Mm -hmm. So I really think that is another uh, thing. And it really, like you said, it's designed to move students toward a specific learning goal or objective. But uh, when you build a playlist, you know, you have the objective. So let's say create a more personalized learning experience, allow students a higher degree of agency and spend more time conferencing with right. and coaching learners as they make progress through the playlist. Right. So, you know, you're going to just as we were mentioning before, identify your target standard and skills, articulate clear learning objectives, build in that formative assessment and then provide choice, mix the modalities, provide choice. And then what what 
where are you going to integrate time for conferencing and teacher checks? So it's all great things to think about and all different levels of instruction that we're all looking to fit into um, in our model. And I think by utilizing some of these things, uh, um, voice and choice, choice boards, uh, the technology, we're able to hit more of these on a regular basis than um, if we didn't use the technology that was available to us. Yeah. So she's got a couple samples as well with select, engage, document, and share, choice boards, and playlists. And um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, I know we gave a ton of information already, um, but playlists are something that you could definitely look into, Catlin Tucker's uh, article. And a playlist is just a different format of a choice board. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's going to uh, wrap up episode 18. Dan, any final thoughts? Sorry, I was just getting ready to teleport. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, we will put the link to the... Where's Bill and Ted's excellent adventure now, right? With that, with this. <laughs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> hot tub time machine. Uh, we can go all down off the rails real big now. But uh, we'll put the sticker I, request link. I, I do have my uh, Doctor Who. Uh, of course you do. On, of so. course you do. <laughs> I got my TARDIS. If you want some swag and you want a sticker. Swag. Yeah. We're giving away swag? Again, remember the stickers. Stickers. Sticker request. Swag. All right. That's, uh, stickers are considered swag. Uh, we will put the link to the form, and we will get uh, a sticker, an Adventures in Tech podcast sticker, out to you. Any Are you going to teleport thoughts? them to them? No, <laughs> I am not. Dan, any final <laughs> thoughts before you teleport to wherever you're going? Uh, just thank you, everyone, and <laughs> thanks for just going along this crazy ride with us. That's it. Thank you for all your support, listening on all the platforms, leaving us reviews, questions, comments, suggestions, reach out. Tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.